Welcome back to another Macam in the Middle podcast after another Sunderland game. Um, the first home game in what I think is a month. I think the last, well, first home league game in what I think is a month. I think the last one was Charlton. And it's the first league win since Crew away. So a lot of relief from that. And we will be talking all about it now with Kyle and Michael. How are you getting on, you two? I'm sure, Just, Kyle, uh, I'm sure Kyle's good now he's got his coffee in his hand. But, um, oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm generally all right. Good coffee always sorts the day, doesn't it? Uh, always, yeah. It's uh, it's, I hate how reliant I am on it, but I guess it's better than I don't know other bad things. So, are you still on the the bug standard coffee, or have you upgraded yet? Uh, I mean, it's uh, I mean, we get it from like a local roaster. I mean, that's the one thing in in the states, just about everywhere. Like, I, I guess everywhere in the world, like coffee is such a huge industry. It's no different here. So we have our local shop. We go. He's like a percolator, if if that makes sense to anyone. I don't know. I don't know the science behind it, but it comes out better than you know your standard just like mm. office pot coffee, you know. So you don't you don't really get tea over there, do you? Or do you? Uh, I, it, it's a thing, but not. It's not. It hasn't quite broken into. I think Starbucks tried doing their own. It's like Tivana. They really tried going hard into the tea game. I don't think it worked out for them. So yeah. Um. I assure you, you are listening to the right podcast. This is not a hot drink debate. This is <laughs> yes, talking yes. about the Sunderland game. Um, so we're getting into that now, Michael. Went into this game knowing that we had to win, um, realistically, regardless of, of how we did it. Um, but ultimately, three points is the main thing. That's what we needed. And it's a relief at that, to be honest. As you mentioned, it's the first win we've got since Crew, which I think is, that was pretty much a month ago, wasn't it? Um, yeah which I think that's not the first time. I think we've gone a month without winning a game in this division, uh, which says it all. Performance, I'm sure we'll go into it. Performance was not pretty. I didn't think it was particularly good. But as I pointed out on social media many times, that performance wasn't very good because of the fact there was a lack of confidence when we've just come off the back of three league defeats in a row. We've gone out with the cup to League Two Mansfield, which the result I personally wasn't too bothered about. But it doesn't look good when it follows Rotherham and Chef Wed. We struggled against Bradford and only just scraped the um, pizza trophy group stage, as in like getting the home tie in the next leg. So, and going into yesterday, I mean, although I think I will point it out, I think we did say after when we did the podcast after Chef Wed that in some ways it wouldn't be surprising if we ended up beating Ipswich because nobody expected <laughs> it. Um, yeah. Which is so, so we called it two and a half weeks ago. You want to go backtrack and listen to that? There's a plug. But yeah. in saying that, it, it was needed. It was absolutely needed. And I dread to think what the atmosphere would have been like yesterday had we actually gone 1-0 down, considering yeah. the form, considering some people's feelings towards the manager. But yeah, whether we we didn't play great, but against a team that's won away at Portsmouth 4-0, has won away 4-1 at Wickham, I think that that's a very good result, irrespective of the performance. Yeah. And Kyle, I suppose we will be as positive as we can, because it's been a while since we could say <laughs> that. Um, but, you know, we went into this game... Saying that you know we've had a two-week break, um, Johnson's had time to kind of iron out the the problems and and get everything right on the pitch. We said that we wanted to see a better performance and and a win, um, and at the end of the day, a poor performance and a win is better than a good performance <laughs> and a defeat. But there's still signs there that some do need to improve on the pitch. Yeah, and I think our our depth is starting to show. You know, we were talking about how, especially in the midfield, how much depth we had and things like that. Now, apparently, the only depth we have is on the wingers. Everywhere else, we are just paper thin, you know, moving Gooch around, moving 0-9 around. 
And, you know, credit to Johnson for at least coming out and trying something new first. Like, uh, we'll get into it, but, you know, we had a new formation to start out. And when it realized it wasn't getting the results, we went back to what we've been doing and immediately started to, you know, look look more like kind of what, you know, still not perfect. But we could at least see, you know, what they were trying to do in most situations. A lot of, you know, wayward passes, a lot of passes right <laughs> to the other team. But we could at least see there was Someone intent there. Right, you know. So, yeah, I think the timing of the swim is huge because it what felt like a month off, uh, you know, that the fan base really started getting to a boiling point. You know, we had, you know, fan groups getting at it after each other, Twitter getting after each other, podcast is just like as a, as a, a little bit more of an outsider, I was just like, man, this is getting, yeah. <laughs> we, we got to get away, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it was just one of those that like, we, we just couldn't accept anything other than a win. Otherwise, it, the discourse would have just become quite toxic. Yeah. And I, I can't remember what game it was after, but I know one of the things that Johnson said in, after one of the defeats, it might have been, I, I haven't got a clue who it was after, but he basically referred to the confidence in the team and kind of used that as a reason behind the poor form. And, you know, there was the talk on social media about the players being affected by comments and whatnot. But ultimately, Michael, after a win like this against a team that were in good form, um, albeit performance, as we've said, wasn't great, confidence shouldn't be an issue going into the next round of games now. No, it shouldn't. And to be honest, the whole confidence thing, I never quite understood that comment anyway, because like we lost 4-0 at Portsmouth, which, yes, the conditions were, were terrible. We've, we've acknowledged that on previous podcasts, but it was terrible and we got bad all, all the same. We responded to that with four straight victories. So I don't quite understand how the confidence could have been shot so easily in the first place. But as you've said now, with that sort of win, you've kept a clean sheet against a side that has been on good form. Again, as I said, has scored four goals away at Portsmouth, four goals away at Wickham. We have got no excuse now not to, to not have confidence from this. Yes, obviously, there are aspects of the performance that we're still needing to improve. But when you've got Shrewsbury and Cambridge coming up, those are sides, especially Shrewsbury, I think that we should be dictating most of the game. And that if that if we can't get confidence from that win, then I don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, looking at the team, I think Kyle just said there that we started with a different formation, but I don't know if we did, did we, Michael? Because I think Sunderland have sort of employed kind of a four-two-three-one for large parts of the season with like an Embleton in behind, and then from what yeah. how the game panned out, especially in the first half, it did seem like Broadhead was playing huh. in a in a kind of McGeady role on the left with Gooch on the right. I was, yeah, yeah. I would say oh, so. go ahead. Go on, Kyle. You go on. Uh, yeah, I was just. I I could have sworn in the broadcast. There's Danny who said something along the lines that like we were we were in a little bit more of like a four four two almost. You know, with Broadhead. Yeah. I think it's Broadhead and Stewart up top. It, it sometimes it's hard. It's hard to tell, especially with like how many of our players like end up playing in different positions. Like yeah. I remember even yeah the pregame as well. They showed like the team sheet. And it was in a formation where they had Gooch at left back. I, I don't think anyone really knew them. Um, yeah. But yeah, if it was the same formation, then I apologize. But yeah, from from what I saw initially and what they were talking about the broadcast, yeah, I was under the assumption that it was a little bit different. Yeah. Um. But the one change, Kyle, um, that I suppose no one expected was obviously Serkin, who is out until January with a with a hernia, I think it is. Um. But other than that probably the team you'd expect to see start obviously Flanagan was dropped um after after playing against Italy midweek which was possibly a surprise as well Bailey Wright came in obviously he's got the experience against a, a good Ipswich mm-hmm. side but all in all that's probably the team you'd have expected to start the game I suppose yeah yeah and I think I probably I'm sure the reason for Flanagan was just minutes 
you know, we're going to, we're going to have to rely on him quite a bit. And that that's, a, that's kind of the double-edged sword of, of having players who are good enough to represent their countries. They're, they're going to be playing a lot of minutes Yeah. and you know, league one is not, it, it's, it's 90 minutes all the same, but it's, I feel like it's a different level of 90 minutes. It's a, just more physical and plotting versus, you know, some of the more finesse that we see in the higher leagues, but yeah, a little, a little bit different, but for the most part, everything was the same, same types of players out there. And, you know, I think this was really the time for them to, you know, get that confidence back. Like we mentioned, if there was a lack of confidence, you know, this is showing this is jo- Johnson basically showing them like, hey, like no matter what's being said, like you guys are my guys. Let's go out there and, and get it done. And I think for the most part, you know, it, it worked out pretty well. Um, you know, it wasn't pretty like we've mentioned and we'll get into. But I think everybody did play their role, you know, as they were supposed to. Yeah. And looking at the game now, Michael, um like we've said, like we've alluded to before, and as people have said on Twitter, the performance wasn't great. Um, and I don't think anyone would kind of disagree with that. Um, possibly some, I don't know. But <laughs> there's just a big difference in the way Sunderland have played, not just yesterday, but you know, in, in the last three league defeats in the cup games, as to what we've seen at the start of the season, you know, the the passing's not being the same, the movement's not being the same. Ross Stewart, as one of the podcasts we said, he's kind of playing a striker role and a winger role, and a midfielder role, and he's kind of the option all over the pitch. Whereas, you know, at the start of the season, you had Embleton wanting to get on the ball, you've got McGeady wanting to get on the ball. There's, there's just a lot changed, and there's not much explanation for it. I think the main one, I'm going to contradict myself here, talking about the confidence thing with Johnson, but I think a lot of that is down to confidence, whereas at the start of the season... We were confident. I think there was a lot of these players that had the confidence to be brave on the ball, like Embleton, you just mentioned. Bravery to go forward, bravery to pick a forward pass, bravery to try and have a shot from distance, whatever it was. And I do think that has affected things to an extent. But I do definitely get what you mean. It has been, it felt it's felt a lot more static in the last few weeks. And let's not forget, we are, we are you know, I mean, despite the options that we signed in the summer, somehow we still managed to be threadbare in some areas of the squad. I don't know how one, I think I can't think of any other club that must manage to do that, that like some would do with injuries. Um, yeah. I think we do have to take that into consideration to an extent. But as I said, I think yesterday, I think yesterday, I think I heard this on another podcast that yesterday for me felt like a, particularly yesterday felt like a back to basics performance. And I think you could tell that towards the game, we were just trying to prioritize not conceding first and foremost. And, as everyone knows, and I won't go on too long, I bang on about clean sheets. Um, I was surprised we kept one yesterday, but the point is you've got to get the balance of both of them right. I think the wins have to come back first, and then performances, I do think, well, or certainly hope, will end up picking up as some more confidence returns to the side. Yeah. And as I've said there, Kyle, um, you know, Rush Stewart is kind of just the option in midfield. He's option everywhere, and he's kind of the outball, and realistically the only outball at the moment. Um, and Going off the motive that I think Broadhead was starting as a winger, um, which again, I'm not entirely sure if he was, but you go back to the Cheltenham game where Broadhead definitely started central alongside Stewart. Albeit, you know, Cheltenham are one of the poorer teams, you know, with as much respect in the league as possible. But that was probably the best offensive performance of the season. And I don't remember us playing that kind of style again. I don't think Broadhead, obviously he picked up an injury, but we haven't had anyone up with Stewart since that game. Yeah, I don't know if I would say it was the best offensive performance, but I'd say it's the most balanced. It gave us, I think, just more options, more outlets, like you'd mentioned. Um, because even with that, like I, I, yeah, I just watched the highlights again. 
prior to this and like we just didn't generate a, a ton of chances but it's it is very nice especially if you know for our back line when they had the ball and they were kind of getting pinned in they were you know hoofing up the, the field a little bit and it was at least nice to not always see Stewart running completely across the field to try to track down those balls so I think it gave us the best balance especially for those outlets I like Broadhead a lot I think he's going to continue to get better as well and yeah. just gives us something different which is nice um, uh-huh. and you can just run them pretty ragged and then you know sub on Diaku like like we saw but yeah no I think balance is probably the the appropriate term for that it's just you know another option which is nice it gives the opposing teams a different look as well because they're they're expecting us to set up a certain way and even if we just tweak it a little bit it could be just enough to catch them off guard and, and get a couple of chances that way yeah and again Michael it wasn't just in the first half but it was also you know in the second half and it's been in previous games creativity from Sunderland just seems to have dried up completely you know we were, we were kind of praising the team earlier in the season for creating chances from corners from set pieces from you know from Dan Neal threading a through ball or from a Gooch cross or whatever there just doesn't seem to be any creativity in the team right now and again you could look at the confidence of like a Gooch or, or a McGeady because they haven't had the best I want to say start of the season but we are kind of what 16 15, 17 games in the season or whatever it is but it has dried up, hasn't it? Well, it has. You can't ignore that. I mean, even if you look at the games where we have got beaten, you look at Rotherham, you look at Chef Wed. Um, we, I can't remember many great chances that we had in either of those games. I mean, Chef Wed to a lesser extent. So the creativity has without a doubt dried up. And I, and I keep referring back to it. I think a, a football is a game of confidence. As much as I've had to try and adjust to that saying myself, you know, yesterday we didn't, I'm trying to think of many great chances that we had. I could maybe think of one that Ross Stewart had when he was almost one-on-one and he was mm-hmm. outside the yard box when he tried to win a penalty. I think, I think it was one where, I think it was O'Neill who yep. we'll get onto as we originally planned to, but it was I think it was a cross from Stewart where he's just missed the, sorry, a cross to Stewart where he's just missed it. Um, I think that yeah. was probably the only chance I think I had. Know, I think I remember what you meant. Now. Well, wasn't there a stat that apparently the first, the first goal was our first shot on target in the game, which was the <laughs> minute. Um, probably, yeah. To be honest, I think that is probably. I'll double check that. Um, but before that, I can't really remember us looking threatening at all, really. No, which again, I think, I think a part of it is down to the fact. Well, well, apparently, part. I think a part of that is down to the fact that Ipswich have tended to be better away from home. Apparently, as I said, we had the Portsmouth and Wickham games there. I think they just probably had more confidence. I don't know whether Ipswich just took the foot off the gas and sort of expected it to be an easier game than it was. Yeah. But you know, I think. We didn't look, I think, again, I think a, a part of it is down to the fact we prioritised not losing the game. And I don't know about you two, but I think when it got to the last 10 minutes, 80th minute, I was just thinking, oh, for God's sake, this is going to pan out to a nil-nil, isn't it? <laughs> which I did, which I, I did think, to be fair, OK, it's at least a must-not-lose game. If you, at least right. get, if you at least get a point, you could probably build on that in games coming up. Um, but we, you know... I think we managed to smash and grab that win somehow. I think we prioritised not losing the game first and foremost. Maybe yeah. that would have it wrong, but that's what it seemed to me when I was watching the game. Maybe mm. maybe not just completely losing, but at least just not conceding. I think that's what I noticed the most is like, yeah. as long as, I mean, obviously if you don't concede, a lot of times you'll end up winning. But that was, you know, because in all these other games, it was, it was we, we would get close, you know, all these other losses, we'd get close. And then like right before the half or in the 25th minute, we just let up a goal. And then from there, it just changes up everything and and you know our attack wasn't there so the longer we went without conceding a goal <laughs> amazingly i felt more confident but yeah. i i also didn't know where or when the goal would come so 
Yeah. Um, we did have two shots on target in the game. Um, so going off the motive that I think the penalty will count as a shot on target. Um, it was the first <laughs> shot on target we scored with. But I suppose <laughs> you can have 100 shots in a game. But shots don't win your games. It's the goals that win your games. So I, I don't think that's... shot on target conversion rate, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, I... We'll get on to it now, but there wasn't too many Ipswich chances either, I don't think. There was one where Hoffman made a, I'll say a triple save, but the third save was quite routine. But two close-range saves, followed by a quite an easy gather on the, on the line, Kyle. Um, that is probably the most important part of the game, I would say, as opposed to like O'Neill header or the McGeady penalty. If Sunderland concede there, as Michael alluded to earlier, the atmosphere changes, players' yeah. heads drop. It's a completely different game then. Yeah, that that was absolutely the the point in the game where it, it, it could it could could have gone either way, obviously. And the fact that it finally went our way, I felt pretty good about it. You know, and seeing that save, it energized the crowd. It got things going. I don't think we responded necessarily immediately after that by any means, but it at least was like, okay, you know, now we can. That that was their best. Ipswich's attack, sorry, was was really interesting to me because I felt like there there was plenty of opportunity down the wing um, for them. You know, they were getting some space, they're getting some good moves, but then they would just never pass it like in a dangerous area, I felt. Yeah. So, you know, I was expect waiting and expecting them to keep attacking and attacking and they just never did. So I don't, I don't really know what that was about. Maybe that was more organization from our defense, but at the end of the day, yeah, that Hoffman save that that's why we brought him in because that that really is the difference between winning and losing, especially on a, a losing streak. You have to have your goalie, you know, make up for the lapses that we that we tended to have on defense, and that's exactly what he did. And yeah, that changed the entire game for us. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think confidence might be the title of this podcast. To be honest, I don't know how many times we've mentioned it already, but again, confidence in the team started with your goalkeeper, Michael. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a clean sheet for Hoffman. He's made some good saves. Um, didn't really have too much else to do in the game. But as a keeper, that's that's the type of game that will get you the confidence where you've made two two or three saves, you know, in quick success, quick succession. That's a hard word to say. Um, yeah. At nil-nil, you've kept your side in the game and then you've ended up going on to win it. Him going in confidence will no doubt spread that throughout the rest of the team. Well, here's a game for anyone listening. Go back to the start of the podcast and have a shot every time the word confidence is mentioned <laughs> and see if you're still sober by the end of it. Um, so that would be a fun one to see any results of that. I don't think anyone's <laughs> stupid enough to try that. No. But regardless, yeah, your, your, point is bang, your point is bang on. You know, like the confidence, there there it is again. Um, <laughs> the confidence itself that Hoffman will get is going to be palpable. And again, again, this isn't like we've just beaten... I don't know, Crew Alexandra 2 0 later on. We've beaten a team that was, again, bang in form. And goalkeepers probably is, again, confidence is one of the things that's crucial to most players. But I think in goal, it's probably, you it probably find it's the most evident um, because of how micro analysed a mistake from their perspective gets like drawn into with the media or with fans. Most yeah. people highlight and crucify mistakes a lot more. For me personally, I think Hoffman's been all right. I think there has been a couple of games where he's looked a bit shaky, but we've got to remember that again, he's he's transferred to a club into a much different country. The style of football is going to be a lot different to what he's used to. It's going to take some adjustment. But I, but that double save, yeah, obviously the third the third save in that succession of saves was straight at him. But the first two, they're crucial moments, and him and and I'm sure he would probably prefer to have a game where he's not doing very much, but. 
at the end of the day, we were going to come up against a side that was going to give us a go and to, to stand up to that, which then helped us to sneak the win later on. Don't be surprised if we end up do going up, which is a long way to go yet. But if we do, that we could look back at this as one of the most important moments of the season, and especially from Hoffman's perspective. Yeah, um, I wouldn't recommend anyone plays that game Michael played or suggested because yeah. it will yeah. be blackout drunk by the end of it, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. I think it was in the first half, especially on Twitter and in, in a few of the chats that I'm in, people seem to think we should have had a penalty or two. Um, I think there was one on Stewart. But for me, I think they are very soft calls. And if they're against you, you're going to be complaining at the given. Is, is there anything in them, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, at first glance, you know, you're caught up in the emotion and, and it did look like it. But I also did feel like he went down a little too softly. And and to be honest, and this, that's what your striker's supposed to do. No, I mean, if you're in those positions, to an extent. If, you, if there's not really a lot of support behind you, you do what you got to do. It's kind of the dark arts, right? It's, you know, you hate to see it, but I think some of the refs have figured that out. And you know, the opposing team has brought that to the attention of the refs saying in this situation, you know, he likes, he tends to flap a little bit. Yeah. It, it was a little soft. There was a little contact there, but you're right. Not enough for, for, for me to write a letter complaining by any, by <laughs> any means. And if it did happen to us, it would have been pretty, pretty infuriating. So I get that. Um, I'm trying to think what the second, um, Second penalty shout was, but I know there's that foul where <laughs> Ross was just kind of dribbling the ball uh, about 30 yards out and pushed it past the defender, and the defender just got absolutely yeah. him. That was the one where I was like, "Well, okay, well then, what's that? Like, you know, we that's mm. got to be something, you know." So it, it, the ref, not, it was, Kyle, it was, not according to referees in this division, it's not. I suppose, I suppose, with that one there though, Michael, it, it, it's one of them where outside the box, the referee's more likely to give it. As a free kick, um, but there's, I don't know, cause it's a weird one because realistically, if it's a foul, it's a foul anywhere on the pitch. But that's not how football works nowadays, as everyone really knows. And there always seems to be this moment of the, the need to be a little bit more contact in the box would it be given as a penalty? Um, and like I said, I think outside the box, it's probably given as a free kick. But is there enough to give it as a penalty there? Is this the first penalty shout you're talking about? The one that Kyle just alluded to there, the one where Stewart's dribbling and the two, the oh, two that come one. together. Yeah, well, I mean, that one, I was, <laughs> I think when that happened, everyone, I was, I was in the southwest corner and everyone around me was like, screaming at the referee and I was just kind of standing there with my hands in my pockets, lately Johnson style, funnily enough, <laughs> and just kind of looking like this just sums up the state of officials in this division. I'm not, I got to the point where I'm not even surprised anymore. Oh, I can't remember the last time that we've come on a podcast and not mentioned the referee. And so is that a penalty for you? Is what? What you mean that foul um, in the middle of the park on Stewart? If that was in the box? Yeah. Yes, I I, I think you could you could certainly make a case for it because the guy going the guy going into him just basically takes him out. He basically WWE wrestles into the floor more or less. Okay, that's an exaggeration, but you get my point. There's still a bit of physicality within that, and there's physicality. Then there's the point where it's a foul. So for me, I would say if that was in the penalty box, that's more of a shout for a penalty than the one that was in the first half, maybe, and definitely more of a shout for a penalty than the one we got later in the game, in yes. my own opinion. That's, yeah. Okay, I, I remember now. Yeah, it was on the corner. Yeah, the corner where <laughs> Ross Ford just got dragged to the ground by the defender. That was the other penalty shout as well. That uh, Yeah, that, that was fascinating to watch because I'm like, someone has to see that. <laughs> but yeah. To be honest, Jeez. I was more annoyed Stuart didn't have a shot, but there you go. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Um, 
But Sunderland did take the lead in the last, I think it was the 82nd minute, I think it was. Um, which, 85th minute, I think. Was it 85th, something was it? Like, something like that. Um, corner, whipped into the back post. Probably a goalkeeper, ever, I think it's fair to say. Um, but when Iron's there, it's a header. And it was quite definitely <laughs> the definition of a, of a slow motion goal, where I thought it would it had hit the side in. It hadn't. Yeah. Um, it but, took me a few seconds when he scored that to oh, realise it was actually that, yeah. a goal. I thought it had just because I'm on the other side of the ground, and I thought that had gone wide. I was like, oh, we've scored, get in. Yeah. And <laughs> yep. I don't know the best way to put it, but the celebrations are more out of relief than, than jubilation, I suppose, for a goal like that, Kyle. Oh, yeah. And, and that that's kind of how it felt, too. And just like what Michael said, it's like it took me a few seconds to realise. And that's a little unfortunate because, especially in the run of form, we, I, I really wanted to to get up and get like really excited and emotional for a goal because boy, did we need it. And uh, yeah, that was, that was one where it, I, I think as much as it was a goalkeeping error, I think his, his defenders really, his defenders essentially walled him off. They, they both kind of came together and created like a natural barrier. Whereas if it was one of our players probably would have gotten called for, you know, blocking or a foul in that regard. But luckily it was his own players got in the way and oh nine was just right there to, to kind of fluff the header, but I, whatever works, I, you know, I don't care if it just barely rolls over the goal line. Like, and as soon as it got in the back of the net and he ran to the corner, I was like, oh, finally, finally. And then it's just, how do we see out these final <laughs> 10 minutes? Yeah. Um, and on that topic of, of the goal scorer, Michael, um, <laughs> Luke O'Neill, obviously, he's played midfield a lot this season. Um, there's some bizarre claims from Sunderland fans that, He's only in midfield because he has a clause that if he's fit, he has to play in midfield. Well, that is definitely not true. Um, and that was kind of put to bed yesterday that if anyone truly believed that, it's definitely not the case. But Is this going to be the start of your tangent with 9 It is. It is. Go on. Go on. I want to hear this. On the note of that Luke O'Neill is not a good enough midfielder for us, I would agree. I don't think he's good enough to start a midfield for us. I think he's a good fullback. I think he's a good squad player to have. You know, if you're going to use him as a midfielder, kind of like we have in past, you know, bring him on for the last half an hour, brings energy. But there's people have been clamming for Corey Evans to start over him. And I'll ask you, Michael, what, what does Corey Evans bring to the team that Luke O'Neill doesn't? In fact, he's played championship football, I guess. If I had to pick anything. I'm someone who, like, I think at the start of the season, and I'll point to it, MK Don's away. I think when Corey Evans was in the midfield there, I think he offered an element of control of the game. And when he went off injured, which is a big problem with Evans, admittedly, I think yeah. we'd lost that composure. I think at the start of the season against Wigan, he was good. Recently, I have to admit, I think Evans has been poor. But I think, again, that's not exclusive to him. A lot of the team has been. With regards to 9 I think you're bang on. I think I've said that I think his technical ability is somewhat limited, but let's be honest, it's League One. There's not going to yep. be many out, out world-class players in this division. And as well, you mentioned that in midfield, I don't think all nine is good enough. I think that the game tends to pass him by too much. I think he's got energy and enthusiasm and you can't fault him for not having that. However, the game tends to pass him by a little bit too much in that area of the pitch, in my opinion. At fullback, however, that's a different story because he's got energy and enthusiasm. You're suited more to playing in a wide position, whether it be winger, uh, wide midfield or fullback. I think all nine suits that down to a T. And for you guys, you guys might agree with this. I think for me, all nine's best performances as a summer player have in general been at fullback. Yeah. I think that he's yep. he looks very he looks very assured. I think there's there was a couple of times in the first half where I think Ipswich were putting balls, balls into the box down his side a bit too easily, but that's probably the first time he's played fullback in 
probably not far off a year because um, obviously there was a spell we had to play centre half. So for me, I think all nine is definitely a handy squad player to have. You obviously you can criticise him. I know John likes to say this, but you know you can criticise all nine when he has a poor game. But at the same yeah. time, there's criticism. Then I think the scapegoating, and I think a lot of people tend to go, "Oh, we lost, right? It's Luke O'Nine's fault." And I don't understand yeah. that. I don't understand this clamour where you have to have go all in on 9 Criticism is more than fair enough, and I agree with it. But when you, but there comes a point where it becomes too much. But I agree with you. Squad player and a handy foot and, and a more than competent enough at fullback for me. Yeah. And Kyle, when when people say Luke Nine is you know the worst midfielder that we have, which <laughs> is technically, I find that very very hard to agree with. <laughs> which technically makes him the third best midfielder we have. I'll also add because. I don't right. think we have any more than three midfielders unless you right. include Embleton in that. But <laughs> when you look at the stats for the season, I know some people like stats, some people don't, but Corey Evans has played less games. So in theory, it's easier to get the better stats because you're making less mistakes. You've got less time to make mistakes. But from the time in midfield, Corey Evans has a worse pass accuracy. He's given yep. the ball away more. Um, he's lost more of his tackles than Luke O'Neill has and contributed to less goals. So when people yeah. say Luke O'Neill shouldn't be playing over Corby Evans, why? <laughs> it's, a, it's a great point. I think I think O'Neill is a little bit of an easy target because because of just kind of the the persona because he's that, not Kevin De Bruyne. That's right. Why. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, yes. But just kind of the the persona that's been built up around him. You know, there there's a lot of fanfare, a lot of hype. I mean, he is just kind of like you know the guy that you know you'd love to date your daughter type of thing right where it's just like he's just he's super class super nice guy um and he just really does work hard and i and i i've said that a lot about different players like gooch and things like that and i'm sure that gets really annoying because it's like okay well you're professional we all work hard right in, in any of our jobs but especially in this league you have to have that and and the and the luxury of having Luke nine is that even if he does start in midfield, which I don't think is his best position, and I don't think there was a clause in his contract, but I do believe that there was some sort of agreement verbally just saying, Luke, if you're going to resign, what's your preferred position? And he probably has some pride and he said midfield. And I think Johnson, to an extent, had to honor that as a coach. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, sure. And then be like, nah, sorry, you're going to do what I'm going to do, right? Because then he's just not going to be on board. So I don't think it was in the contract, but I do think there's a verbal agreement there. Regardless, I think we're at the point of the season now where 09 sees it and Johnson sees it as anyone's going to play anywhere if if that's what suits the team the best. Mm -hmm. And having him, you know, being able to have him in midfield, especially with how, how um, thin we've been on the back line and at left back and right back, it's a luxury to be able to have him and change the formation if needed, or if there's an injury, we can slot him back there. That's where I think his his worth is. He's physical. I mean, he's gonna destroy his shoulder. Like he might just have to amputate it. Which I think he, if, if it boiled down to him having to amputate his arm and play in the final, if, if we got to that point, I think he would. To be honest, he's just that type of player. Um, but it's just, yeah, yeah. This the stick. He gets a lot of a grief, but I I think it's just because he's an easy target, and we've seen him. He's one of our more tenured players that we've had. You know, so we've had a lot of time to learn about him and learn about how he plays and, and get frustrated enough when when he doesn't do the things that we wanted to do. But at, at some point, you know, he plays his role. He's he's probably at the level that he's designed to play. Maybe he could scuff it out in the championship. But I, I think this is his level and I think he's he's good for this team. And it's it's better than McFadden. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. So can we please not mention? Plays, can we please not mention Callum McFadden. Right. I, I don't hate anyone as much as I just did not enjoy watching that that man play. 
And uh, so I love Luke. I, th- I think he plays well. And I think it's justified, just like you said. We can give him a hard time when he gets uh, bad performance. But when he has a good one, like I think he did yesterday, uh, he deserves the praise there as well. Yeah. And just briefly on that man that you mentioned, I do have a crew fan who has seen the light on that said man as well <laughs> and certainly doesn't enjoy him when he plays either. Wait, hang on. When you said seen the light, did he ever once think he was good? Um, yeah. At times, I think when said man was at Plymouth, um, he scored a brace against Crew, I believe, um, when he was playing on the wing. So, oh, okay. But he's, he's finally learned it now. Um, but there's been one suggestion that I've not just seen recently, I've seen it a few times throughout the season, Michael, is Callum Doyle and playing him in midfield. You know, he's, he's a physical player. Um, especially at the start of the season, you could see that he had an eye for a pass. Is that something that could be worth a go or not, I suppose? I have to admit, that's the first time I've heard that suggestion. Yeah. Um, but maybe Same. I've just been looking in the wrong places. I don't know. Or haven't been looking in the right places. Like that. that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the point is, um, for me, no. I think that Callum Doyle has got the attributes, the physical attributes to make a success of centre-back. And sometimes, you know, if we want to play out from the back, um, you know, m- making an eye for a pass, I think you've got Dan Neal in midfield who can do that. I think, whereas in defence, if you take Callum Doyle out of the team, let's be honest, Bailey Wright, as much as I like Bailey Wright and Tom Flanagan as much as well as he's done in general this season, bar the last couple of weeks, they cannot make an eye for a pass. Their job, their game is more or less hoofing it, just hitting hope and hope it lands to Ross Stewart. Whereas, you know, Callum Doyle, I think, can end up doing that. Sometimes he's a bit overconfident, but obviously that comes with age. He's only 18 years old. For me, personally, I wouldn't, but with given the way that we shoot home players out of position, maybe there's <laughs> got to be, an, maybe there's a clause in that where it says, right, Callum, you're going to be in centre-back, but you've got to have a role in midfield, mate. Is that all right? Good, you're signed. Yeah. Could be an interesting one, but I definitely think yeah, the midfielder is an area we need to improve in January. Um, if, we're going, if we're going to try that, by the way, I would try it against someone like Oldham in the Papa John's or something. I wouldn't try it in the league game. Yeah. Right. But it, would he be about the same size as like a Declan Rice? Because I feel like Declan Rice is, is huge um, to, to be playing the midfield. So that, that's kind of the first six foot four, to be honest. I think. Right. They're both just, just big. Wrong that. <laughs> so that, that would be, be fun to watch. I'll give you that. But I mean, I don't Declan, think that... Declan Rice is six foot one. God, he feels so much. Uh, he feels so much larger. That's that's interesting. Maybe he's wearing very high football boots. I don't I, know. I agree. Really long. Mind spikes. you, I would say to be fair, one thing on that is that I think Doyle would be targeted a lot more in midfield. I think. I think if you look at the way that he can bring the ball out, he's got a bit of muscle about him. He can get an eye for a pass. He gets himself forward. But I think if he's in midfield, I think I think a lot of people will try and nullify that. Whereas right. centre back, I think you've got a bit more freedom to try and do that as long as you're yeah. not getting pressed too high. Yeah. Um, last part of the game, we'll get back on track. Um, <laughs> penalty for handball, uh, Michael. That's never handball, is it? Let's be I, honest. I, I, I agree. I said it earlier. I, I haven't. I'm when I watched when I watched it live, I looked at it and thought, how on earth is that a spot kick? And then I looked at the replays back. It just reaffirmed my belief more. Even if you can make the claim that it is a handball, Ross Stewart is so close. I think it's it Nasala who concedes it. His hand's Stewart's not even out. Like, well, oh, well, he I was about to say, if his hand even was out, or even if it hits like a part of his arm, like his shoulder, he's so close to when Stewart, when Stewart has a shot, that he has no time to get out of the way whatsoever. And as you said yourself, his hand's not even out. But again, like I've said before, that just sums up refereeing in this division. You could make a, you could make an arguable case, in my opinion, for the first penalty shout Stewart had when he should have had a shot when he was pulled to the floor. That's an arguable case, even if you don't think it was. 
for me, I don't think anyone could argue that that second our second goal was never a penalty. And it, and I think, like Kyle said, if that was the other way around, I think we would have been screaming, or I would have been screaming at the referee for that. So, yeah. you know, I'd be interested to see that. I think that would have been more of a talking point had that been nil-nil, and then that ended up being one-nil because of that penalty. Oh, yeah. Uh, if, but, if that's nil-nil, I don't think he gives that as a penalty. Actually, yeah. you know what it is, to be fair, and again, known officials, you probably would be right there. But the point, but either way, yeah, I agree. I don't, I do not get that, how that's handled. You take it any day of the week, but when he was given it, I was astonished. I was just waiting for it either <laughs> go out for a corner or, for a, or just to go to the keeper for a goal kick or something. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to mention the word, Kyle, because I don't want anyone um, suffering from, al- drinking from alcohol poisoning from uh, Michael's little game. <laughs> but McGady took the penalty, scored the penalty. It was good, good spot kick as well. Um, but that'll give him a big boost going forward. Good for morale. You can say that. <laughs> yeah, a good yeah. morale booster. And I, I think just, and we had talked about it so much, and, you know, because his drop in form was probably the most glaring just because of, of how well we've seen McGeady play. Um, but I thought the subs today, just to mention that, with, with McGeady coming on for, was it for Gooch? Or no, did Gooch drop? McGeady ended up coming on for a sub. Same with was it not Broadhead or something? I'm sure I remember Broadhead I'm was sure. one of the players I'm who went sure. off. I know Embleton came off. Um, you know, Broadhead I think you're right. I think Broadhead came off. Um, but anyways, as soon as he came on the field, it just he 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 gave us that spark that we needed. He was part of you know he perfectly was spaced out wide. He gave us that leverage. But seeing that goal go in for him was big. I think, uh, and I love the I love the style of PK as well. Just just. Just put it in the back of the net. Don't don't do all this crazy run up. Don't do all these skips and hops. Just not mentioning any names, Paul Pogba. Yeah, right, right. It's just I'm so sick of seeing that, and uh, it was just very nice just to see him. But it was the same thing with the first goal, where like I was waiting for that emotional, like yeah, like you know, first goal, uh, and it was pretty soft. And then the same with the second one. I didn't even really have time. I just laughed. I think really, I think I was watching the stream and I just laughed. I was just like, well, that's funny. Like, like how did we get that? You know. So it, it was just one of those games. But at the end of the day, you walk out of there 2-0. You know, all we're going to look at, you know, at the end of the season, looking back at that and be like, that was a nice for goal differential. And that was great for three points. And I'm not going to think of it any other way. So <laughs> I, w- I would point out as well, when you talk about the refereeing decision, Ipswich, I thought, was starting to get a bit more progressively uh, dirty in their challenges and the shoulder mm-hmm. barges as the match went on. And I'm just looking at it now. We got four yellow cards across the game. They only got one. So right. I think I think... What you could argue balance itself out to an extent, but yeah, I mean that. I think if anything, that just that's just a. Right, I'll try not to swear. Yeah, you could just say that's much of an HIT house win as much as you could ever imagine towards the last ten minutes. Because I, I don't know, I did. Would I? Did I review see us win? See us winning the game two nil, two nil, right when Pritchard was about to take the corner. Because I didn't. I thought it was just going to peter again. I thought it was just going to end up finishing nil nil. Because I still maintain, even though we did win, I think that is one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. But <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, but it's a but again, it's a win. You take it either way. Yeah. Um, player ratings, Kyle, start with you. Hoffman seven. I went with. Um, obviously made the important saves when uh, the triple save or double save, however you want to look at it, from close range, um, and that kind of built a platform for someone to go on and eventually win the game. So, I'll say a seven for Hoffman. Kyle? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give him an eight. I think that's, I mean, because really that was the difference between likely yeah. they're losing or not getting three points is that, that double, triple save, however you want to call it. <laughs> and I mean, even beyond that too, I think he did, I think he's always in the right spot. 
I think he commanded the, the box very well. I can't remember any times that he was really caught out of position. I think his distribution was good, especially because I think there's a few times with how Ipswich was pressing that a few of the balls back to him were not were were under duress. They were pretty pretty hard driven balls right back to him, and for the, <clears throat> for the most part, he handled it well. He just got it out, you know, got it out, yeah. got up the field, didn't really kick it out of bounds. So yeah, I think eight. I think he was a, a huge reason why we won that game yesterday. Yeah, Michael. I would say seven, but I do get the point. I know I'm going to cut this because it makes no sense, but I do agree with what Kyle says, though, that I think it's him making those saves facilitates us going on to get the goals. And I um, and I think we can agree that I think if we went 1-0 down, it would have been very unlikely unless Ipswich got a red card or something that we would have gone on to win the game, given our recent form. So he can give himself good praise yesterday. Vital reason why we got three points. Or if we got a penalty for a lucky handball, yeah. I suppose. Well, again, like I said, <laughs> officials in this league are that bad that it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> um, Mike, I won't go to you first. Plus one, Winchester, I went with a six. Defensively, I think he was good, but didn't offer much offensively like he has in other games this season. And there was one point where he was through on goal and just didn't shoot. He dawdled. He dawdled on the shot, didn't he? It was he so frustrating. And I think, that was, was, I think that was a nil-nil as well, wasn't it? Yes, it was. That was um, so frustrating to watch. But ultimately, defended well, offensively didn't offer too much. So six for me. Yeah, I'd say six just for the defensive performance. And he's part of a back line that kept a clean sheet. So definitely seemed better than him from him going forward. But the, the amount of times Ipswich went forward, I can't remember them targeting his side to put crosses into the box. So you can't complain yep. about that. Yeah, Kyle? Yeah, I think six as well. Uh, was he? Did he end up getting called up internationally? Or did he? was he not part of that squad? No, he wasn't. I don't think so. Yeah. Because I was just going to say, looks a little bit heavy legs. I think it's it's starting to catch up with them a little bit. But I, he was in the right position. Uh, made a couple really nice blocks. But yeah, we we love seeing love seeing him go up and and get those goals. And it was unfortunate that he didn't pull the trigger. But maybe he had, it, maybe it just been a while, been a while since he'd been in that mm-hmm. position. So maybe now he knows next time. And just especially when we haven't had a shot on goal, just just let it rip. Just let it rip. So yeah, I think six is is well justified. Yeah. Uh, Bailey Wright in for Flanagan went with a seven. I think he defended well. Um, there was a number of clearances. Don't know how many exactly. They just seemed to go anywhere. I know there was one from a corner where he's trying to kick it up the pitch. He ended up playing a one-two with the corner taker. And there was a couple of headers that he's headed sideways or just I don't know. It was just strange. But seven ultimately for me, uh, Kyle. Yeah, I think seven as well. Uh, the man's head just gets in the way of just about every ball. So, you know, I hope <laughs> I hope he takes care of his mentals a bit because I bet he's going to be a little dizzy today because, yeah, he was taking, yeah, taking headers left and right. And then, like you said, it, it didn't go perfectly clearanced out, but at the end of the day, it broke up the attack well enough to, to mm. let us get in position. And that's kind of all we can hope for at this point. So, uh, yeah, I, I think seven, I think he commanded well. Uh, you know, he, he worked the ref pretty well as well in a lot of situations. Um, so yeah, I think overall he, he, he really put in a good shift. It's, it's great to have him. I don't know. January is going to be interesting for a lot of players. I think, um, I think he's one that I, I do hope we retain because it's, it's not, not many other teams have the depth to just have someone like him as an option. Yeah. Uh, Michael. For me, I'd go with an eight. I thought he was really, really good. I think considering that we had two full, I know Winchester's played and we're in the line to play fullback a few times, but we've had that we had two midfielders as a fullback. We have Callum Doyle, who are race, but is 18 years old. 
And I think in a game where we were going to come under pressure, I think Bailey Wright marshaled everything excellently. Yes, obviously the odd clearance or the odd header out, um, you know, wasn't particularly great. But, you know, he was also involved in a scuffle in the first half, which fans tend to like to see. So, you know, I I really rate Bailey Wright. And I've seen a few people say they don't rate him. Personally, it's their opinion, but I do not agree with it. I think think Bailey Wright's a more than competent centre-back. And I'm, I'm with Kyle. I think after January, I'm hoping we retain him for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, Doyle, Michael, again, seven. Um, first half, <coughs> I think he was a lot more composed on the ball than he has been in recent games. Second half, looked a little bit uh, nervous on yeah. the ball, I think is probably the best way mm. to put it. And lost the ball on, on a few occasions. But ultimately, seven, defended well. Like you said earlier, kept a clean sheet. Yeah, without you can't complain with him for that. Uh, yeah, seven. I think for Doyle's perfectly justified. I did love those one occasion where I think I think we were one nil up at the time, and I think it was in stoppage time, where it might have been two nil up, where he suddenly got the confidence to start trying to be PLO. Then he beats like two or three <laughs> Ipswich players, and then just flurries into their attacking half, and then tries to do something with it. But um, you can tell again, it comes back to that lovely morale booster. I'll try and avoid saying the c word. Um, mm-hmm. Never thought he'd be using that for any for a particular word other than a swear word. But point getting back on track, yeah. I think Callum Doyle. I think having all, I think having Bailey right next to him definitely would have helped him out quite a lot. Um, so keep it up going forward. But yeah, seven I agree with. Yeah, Kyle. Yeah, and seven and, and like you said, that, that was exactly what stuck out to me is just remembering him go forward and and just how, how fun that is to see him just kind of plod through and it doesn't look like he's going fast but just huge strides and I and yeah I think it was, was, right it was it, yeah it was great when he did it when we were two nil up mine so we knew we weren't going to lose right. the game yeah. <laughs> right and I it was perfect for time wasting I think at that point I think we were in time wasting mode and I think he got a corner out of it maybe so yeah, yeah. Uh, seven yep it's just the 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 Callum Doyle special I think so. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Luke O'Neill, Kyle, um, got the ultimately the winning goal. Um, defended well, lot of energy, tracked his runners for, for most of the game. Um, and the runs that you make from fullback are better than the runs he makes in midfield. You know, he often finds himself in kind of a centre forward yep. role when he's at right back or left back. Um, and that's yeah. another that's another point that people make. He, could he play behind a striker as opposed to a kind of deep midfielder? I don't know. Possibly. Um, but ultimately, yesterday, I don't think he did anything wrong. Got the goal, defended well, kept a clean sheet. So I'll probably go with a, a nine. Okay. Eight. See, I was I was waiting. I was waiting. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I want to give him a nine as well. Or I will. I will give him a nine. And I think the difference is when he's in midfield, what he tends to do is when he gets the ball, he doesn't he doesn't keep the ball for very long. He's usually immediately looking for that one-time pass, which is fine. There's, you can be very defensive in that role, but what, you know, what we need is someone like the Dan Neal, right? Where when the ball's passed to him, he opens up that shoulder and lets it run. And then he's got the whole field in front of him. And I think that's too much. I think that's too much for someone with the skill of Oh nine. And he just plays that simple pass. But when he's playing um, as left or right back, Really, there's only a few options. That's either looking forward or looking a little bit to the inside. And I think that suits his gameplay so much better. I think it gives him a little bit less to think about, which I think as a footballer sometimes, unless you just have that God-given ability where you can look up and, and keep the ball at your feet and dribble past six people. It's, keeping it simple for someone like him, I think, is perfect. It suits his his, his skill set. And I think that's why he's able to get in the right position like he did at the right time. He was there where he's supposed to be. Yeah, it was the perfectly connected on header. 
but I don't think he was expecting it to get to him either. And uh, at the end of the day, ball went back in that. So, yeah, I think yeah. nine. I, I, I really do hope that it'll be interesting to see what happens when we get uh, Sirkin back, when we get Huggins back, right, and, and see and what you. we decide to do at that point. But, yeah, until then, for, for roughly about the next month and a half, two months with Sirkin out, I, I, I hope we can see him in that position more, um, whether or not he likes it. It's, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I hope he does kind of see his value there as well. Yeah. Michael? I was originally going to go with a six, actually, because I thought in the first half, defensively, he was quite suspect. But I think I would bump it up to a seven, because when you think of the runs he did make from fullback, I do think it was, I think you can just tell that he offers a lot more freedom in some ways from fullback than in midfield, where there's not as much onus on him to try and control the game. So, yeah, I would say I'll go with a seven, because he ultimately got the goal that set us on our way. And going forward, I think, especially as the game went on, I think he got a lot better. Yeah. Um, Daniel, I'm up to six. Michael, um, again, I don't think Neil's had a bad game when he's played for us yet. Um, which, given some of the, some of, of oh my god, <laughs> some of the results we've had, is probably a surprise. I think he's him and Stewart are probably the only two players that I don't think have had a bad game for us. Um, and I don't think he was excellent yesterday, but did his usual stuff: good movement off the ball, some neat passing. So six for me. Completely agree. And again, we have to take in mind that we're not going to play teams that have the, well, I know they weren't great, but have the quality that Ipswich do have every single week. And and again, it was a time when, you know, morale was quite low. So, but but in saying that, he tried to get forward. He didn't look to hide. He didn't shirk. So I think, you know, that's got to be admirable for someone as young as he is. But I would agree with you. Not his best performance, but still, even Neil at his worst is still better than I've seen that lovely person who plays for crew at his best. So, <laughs> yeah, it was good old six. Yeah, Kyle? Yeah, I agree, and I, I don't know if it's if it's by design or if he kind of gets lost in the game a little bit or if he's just marked out of the game, but he just needs the ball at his feet more because any semblance of an attacking, it went through him. You know, he's able to kind of beat that man in the midfield and dribble it up the field. So I don't know if we're I, – I just don't know if we're not finding him, if he's still learning kind of how to be more available – or what? Or, or like I said, I bet the defense probably is just marking him out of the game in some situations. I just want the ball at his feet more. I want to see magic happen. So, uh, but I say six. I don't think he did anything wrong. I think he helped back pretty well. Yeah, is that your dog wanting to talk as well, Michael? Yes, you could say that's the head. <laughs> so, um, but no, look, I can carry on to the end. Go for it. <laughs> um, Corby Evans. Um, I just don't think he had a good game at all yesterday. Um, I went with a four. Um, I think your dog agrees. Pick up a needless yellow card that realistically, if he was sent off for that tackle, I don't think you'd have had too many complaints. It wasn't a good tackle. It was a needless tackle. Um, got that yellow card and just his passing was poor. He didn't really get the grips with the game. So, yeah, four for me, Michael. I'll go to Kyle first. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I agree as well. Uh, I think his physicality is good. I think his leadership is good. But when I talked about how many passes went directly to the other team, I felt like they all came from Corey Evans. It's just, yeah. Every, and, and like I said, I, I'm sure that is by design. That is what Johnson wants. Is when you get the ball in this position, this is where you're looking. And, you know, when you practice for so long, it's kind of automatic, right? I get the ball here, I pass it up here, and there's it's practice. So, you know, maybe there's not a defense or whatever. And the defenders were just beating us to that. So I don't know if that's just not being on the same page, but there's even a couple give and goes on the sideline that that went awry, uh, you know, awry and 
So uh, I, I think he's just a little out of form, you know, and he, I, he, same one. I think he's got a lot of minutes. He's, he's got those injuries that we know of. Um, not his best game, but I, I, this does not define him. I don't think by any stretch. And I think we're going to need him down the stretch. So, yeah. Uh, Michael, Corey Evans. Yeah, I would say probably a five. I think it was, again, I liked him at the start of the season. And I think whereas that now, I think it's just it just coincides with our run of form. And not then, but the main problem I have with Corey Evans, as much as I do like him, is the fact that he's just how how many games is he going to play? How fit is he going to be? Because yeah. I agree with what Kyle said. We are going to need him, I think, across the course of the season for squad depth. But of course, you know, if we can't keep him fit, that's going to be an issue. But yesterday, didn't think he had much control of the game. But again, I think most of the team didn't because Ipswich did try to come on to us a bit more than what many teams that come up here will. So yeah, better to come from him. But hopefully he stays relatively fit. Yeah, uh, we'll rattle through the last four as quick as we can. Embleton, Michael, I went with a four, similar to Evans. Set pieces in the first half were dreadful. I think there was two corners to fail to beat the first man and and a free kick in a, in a dangerous position straight off the the first man and cleared. Um, and just don't think he offered too much. Um, he's, I don't want to call him lazy because I don't think he's lazy, but I just don't think he has the work rate that it might need. Off the ball, certainly. Yeah. And I, and I started to notice that. I think probably, I'll probably be generous because we won the game and go with a five. But I mean, again, it's it's one of the things I do think does need to be pointed out. That I think his work rate off the ball does should be a bit better. I think technically he was still trying to get things forward and trying to get things moving, which is very, very simplistic, obviously, but still. Um, I think, again, if his morale goes up again, like everyone else does, <laughs> see, I'm replacing confidence with morale now. Um, oh, you just said it, though. If, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> definitely do not play a drinking game now. But, um, you know, as it, the, the more that the the boost goes up for him, hopefully the better he'll become. And remember, this is his first full season of senior professional football, I think. So, yeah. we'll, you know, this will probably be expected over the course of the season. But I'm sure if we keep persistent with him, he'll get back to his best. Yeah. Kyle? Yeah, and I think with Embleton, I think he's the one player where if, if we can get him in really good form... Uh, the team as a whole is going to go up because he provides uh, a unique skill set. He's good with both feet. I just wanted to, to get in more, I guess, attacking opportunities. I wanted to see more shots from outside the box. I think he had that one nice little exchange with Gooch. I had it on his left foot pretty early, and it just you know went pretty high looking for that back post. It, I just need to see more of that over the 90 minutes. And like I said, if we can get him really firing – I mean, we're, we're yeah, because right now we're, we're we can't really peg where our next goal is coming from. If it's not Ross Stewart, uh, it needs to be Embleton, in my opinion, to, to be that second guy. No, with we've eight. got nine at the back post. <laughs> right. Or Winchester driving up and hitting one from yeah. 30 yards out. Yeah. That, that's or McGee just going a dodgy penalty, which have never yeah. been awarded. <laughs> exactly. So we yeah, we got to get him up to the eight to 10 goal mark, in my opinion, if we if we have any chance of being promoted, in my opinion. So, yeah. Um, get on to Gooch. I went with a five. Very frustrating player. I say this every single podcast, probably too much. Deja vu. But just, uh, it doesn't offer anything nowadays. Um, he, he never really looks like a threat. He's a very predictable player. And, you know, whether he goes left or right, the defender knows where he's going. He loses the ball a lot. Um, and, and his end product is just deteriorated in the last kind of season or two um, and I think strength in depth in the wing position is something we need to look at in January because I don't think Gooch is 
all that much. Um, like Kyle said a few times this season, I think McGeady will probably offer more as a sub. Um, and Diaco, I think he has something to play this season. Don't know whether he's ready to start games yet, um, but I definitely think that's an area that we do need to improve. But five for me, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, as everyone knows, my allegiance with Gooch that I have, <laughs> but it's, you know, I think it's one of those things where I bet if he if he would have went elsewhere, which I'm not saying I wish he did because I, I I do enjoy having him, but I think what he needs at some point is a change of scenery because I think it's just gotten very routine for him to be at Sunderland, and I'm sure he loves it, right? And and we've shown him some love. Uh, I'm sure it, it's great to to be in this division and play for club the size. I think he's at the point in his career though where he's going to eventually have to look for kind of greener pastures to just kind of reinvigorate him because I, I that's what it feels like now it's just he's a little complacent uh, and the same tricks that he's that he was able to do you know to start his career and to start the seasons and stuff it's they're just not coming off anymore so yeah I, I'd say a five I, I, I enjoy his work great but it's just it it's you can run as hard you want if you don't provide anything positive like then why why are you here but with that being said I, I enjoy having him I, I, I want him on the team but it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, if he goes elsewhere and starts to be pretty decent again, because uh, I think he he's got a good skill set, he's got a good work rate, but it's just not coming off for him right now. Yeah, uh, Michael. And everyone knows what allegiance I do not have with Lyndon Gooch. <laughs> yeah. Um, as I like I've said it so many times, so I'll just keep this brief. Work rate, you can't fault it. He actually made a pretty good pass. Um, I think was it when he dribbled down the right wing, actually beat his man for a change, put a decent ball in, which no one got got onto the end of. But in general, I think one of the things that Kyle touched upon for this level, I think against the lower sides in the league, I think he probably could be quite handy because I think their their fullbacks, frankly, won't be very good. Um, whereas I think against the top end sides, I'd want better quality, better decision making. And I think if we do get promoted, I think it would be a nice fairy tale ending for him. He's got promoted with his boyhood club, uh, well, club he's been at the academy since, and then maybe that this is probably going to be his level. So hopefully, the scenario is we go up and he stays in League One, but continues to tear it up with someone else as long as we're not down here ever again. Yeah, I could agree with that. Broadhead, um, I'll just take this one to Kyle and we're going to shoot it with Michael as we're getting on for time. But Broadhead, Kyle, um, like I said, I think you played out wide. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but didn't really have too much involvement in the game. Still think he looks like a player that will offer a lot this season. Like I said, I always yep. go about the Cheltenham game where he, you know, his hold-up players, his passing, his shooting, his dribbling was excellent. Um, but ultimately yesterday, 6 out of 10 for me. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a six out of ten as well. I think he's another one just like Hamilton. If we can find a way to get him as as a real attacking threat, I think that's just going to help Ross Stewart out even more because defenders are really going to have to key in on, on where they're coming from. So I, I'm really hoping he he looks physically looks like he's a presence. He's got good pace. He's got you know decent skill on the ball. Um, we just got to I think just find way more ways to specifically get him on the ball in front of the goal, uh, however however we decide to do that. So <laughs> I, I think it's 6 out of 10, um, I, and I think the best is yet to come for him. Yeah, and we'll move on to Stuart for you, Michael. Again, 6 out of 10, hold-up play was good, but service just wasn't really... Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, quickly on Broadhead, I'd say 6. I think if you look at the goal he scored against Bradford, it's it shows what quality he's got. And I think this kind of links it. I'd like to see the two of them up front together, because I think if they can get into a two, into a partnership with the same hymn sheet, that I think they could be real handful in this division, providing we can keep both of them fit. But as for Stuart, 
did his usual industrious stuff, trying to get about, still offering good good play in general. Just there was no one there quite with him because of how yeah. deep we were. Yeah, um, and I assume it would be a six for you as well, Kyle. Yes, yes, you are correct. It, I, I love Ross Stewart, but I just want him scoring goals. That's all I care about. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, man of the match, based off ratings, I would assume me and Kyle would go for O'Neill, and I assume Michael would go with yeah. Mr. White. That would be correct. That would be correct. Very nice. Yep. Um, next game Tuesday is away at Shrewsbury, which um, there must be a point of the season where we have like six or seven home games in a row. <laughs> Because the amount well, of away games start, coming. At the start of December, ridiculous. we have three. At the start of December, we have three home games in eight days. Yeah. So you know that says it. Yeah. Um. But Shrewsbury win on Tuesday. Never going to be an easy game. No game in this league is unless it's Cheltenham. Um. But predictions for that one, Kyle. It's got to be a win. You know, if Streaky Johnson lives up to his name, the streak can come with losses. And I just sure as hell hope the streaks can come with wins as well. And maybe this is the start of it. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to go down there. I think we're going to get an industrious 2-1 to one victory. Yeah. But we're going to get a dodgy penalty in that game. Yeah, probably. Who knows, Who knows <laughs> when it's kind of weird that events going to take place whenever Sunderland takes the field. Yeah. Michael? I would say 3-1 Sunderland and I'm just hoping that the, yesterday's win I think is going to mean nothing if we don't build on this and beat Shrewsbury because I looked at the other fixtures Ipswich play Rotherham uh, MK Dons play Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth play Wickham so if you nice. look at it out of the teams there's three fixtures that are pretty much are, 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 or at least two fixtures with teams around us playing yeah. each other where someone's going to drop points and being blunt, Shrewsbury are in the relegation zone, which, yes, granted, we ha- we tend to do quite mixed at Shrewsbury, actually. I think we've lost the last two meetings down there. Yeah. So um, we need to have that. To- obviously, that needs to change quite quickly. But these are the sort of games in the past that have cost on an automatic promotion, in my opinion. So if we can go there and perform to how we can do, then there's no excuse why we can't win the game. Yeah, spot on. Well, we'll see about that. But that is the time we have today. It's been a long podcast, talking about a win for the first time in a long time. But it's been a pleasure. And likewise, my dog agrees. agrees. My dog at the very end agrees. (laughs) Sounds like a very passionate Sunderland supporter. Oh, oh, trust me. Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) Fair weather. But appreciate you both joining me again. And I hope you enjoyed your early morning coffee. As always. Yep. And thanks for having me on. Michael enjoyed his lemon squash. I certainly did. Thanks very much for having me on. No worries. We'll be back again on Wednesday. Um, hopefully to talk about the Shrewsbury game and once again back on the Sunday to talk about the Cambridge game I think it is but until then we will see you later that's all folks